0: Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you.
1: Good morning, Bethel family. Can we greet our online family right now? (laughs) Blessings, greetings in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's my birthday today. And I've got balloons, and there's a happy birthday sign, and I've got cards over here, and I, I've got uh, Gretchen tried to buy my favor with balloons today. Bless her heart. I'm for sale, but just at a higher price. But, she, <laughs> but that's another tape. All right. Thank you for your warm wishes, and everybody, we greet you in Jesus' name. And I do thank God. But you know what? Everything I want, I have right here in this room and with you right now. Honestly, Jesus knows exactly what I love and who I love. And he brought some of his most fantabulous jewels in this little vault today. We've got a little vault today. It may be a tiny place, but did you know that the, the Holy of Holies and the tabernacle was only 15 feet by 15 feet and it had a box in it? There wasn't much room in there, but boy... We've got our own version of John Wick's Continental. How many of you know it's just a smaller room? But we've got all of God's anointed hit men and women in here that are highly favored. And God decided to bring them all here. So thank you, Jesus, right now, Lord, for all the blessings that you've given me in my life. Thank you, Lord, for all the tailor-made blessings that I'm receiving on my special day today, Lord. But I pray for every one of your precious ones right now, Lord. They are your jewel. They are your unique gift. They are your personally shaped vessel, Lord. A vessel of honor unto your kingdom, Lord. And we ask you to bless your vessels today, Lord. Bless your lambs today. Bless your, your valuable pearls today that they will all feel uh, admonished, encouraged, and held up to the light. Show all the facets off of your precious children today, Lord. And, 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 and Lord, <sighs> complete the last little adjustments in us before we step into our promised land can you all say amen to that amen Amen. and may the presence of the lord flood into your homes and into this service as we as we open the word of god as we break the word of life beloved i i have a little appended last week oh my goodness we were in deep water last week and uh what I have to do today, we're in a series called On the Threshold because I don't know if you're aware of it, but you're on the threshold of the greatest outpouring God has ever done in your life. You're your 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 faceting is done and you're just about to face placement. The Lord is just about to bring you into a whole new season of your life, and that's why you've been going through so many adjustments, so many purgings, so many cleansings, you know. <laughs> Can you read a room? Are you aware things have been up? Things have been changing? Things have been different? Yes, yes. The Lord is just tweaking his last little works. I did a teaching a year ago called the gold of Ophir. And the gold of Ophir was a gold so pure when they found it that it had to be through very little processing. Did you know you all don't need 35 years of therapy and deliverance? You probably need one more little adjustment. (coughs) But it's an important adjustment. So let's let the Holy Spirit come in and do the one last little tweaks he's trying to do so that we'll fit into the socket he's placing us in and we'll fit in to the ring setting that he's placing us in. Just little adjustments, but they're important. Today I want to talk about two reminders on the threshold. I want to read you a text so that you get a flavor of where we're going today. Deuteronomy 6:10 through 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Isn't this interesting? Don't forget the Lord your God when you enter into the greatest season of fulfillment in your life, homes you didn't build, trees, fig trees you didn't plant, eating fruit from groves you had nothing to do with. It's all been given by grace that the Lord has to say, oh, first principle, don't forget me. You say, why, Craig, that's, that's obscene to infer that I would have spiritual Alzheimer's. I know the group I'm preaching to. Come on. He may deliver your soul from hell on Monday and Tuesday. You're tempted by Moloch. He knows us. He knows we're as fickle as the day is long. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Lord until he disagrees with me on any matter. He knows his own. Now, I have a higher opinion of you, but I'm sorry I'm not God. That's why you brought me the balloons. Gretchen's trying to buy me, but I'm easily bought, Gretchen. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 says there are some things we need to remember before we enter into this next season of fruitfulness. How many of you would like to hear the two things that maybe we need to remember? Before we enter in, how many of you know we're just about to enter in and this is not a fairy dust and magic wands? Yes, what you've been promised with regard to your destiny is going to come to pass. You're on the brink of it. You've never been closer. But wouldn't you like to know the two things maybe you need to hear before you go in? Yeah, I would like to hear. I'd like to hear. I'm telling you, there's some tender things today. I've got to tenderize my heart the way it was yesterday. I've got to tenderize my heart here for a minute. because we're on holy ground this morning, we're we're we're, we're on holy ground. The first thing he wants to remind us of before we go into this next season is don't abuse the power and the favor you are about to receive. say, Craig, what are you talking about? I would never abuse power. I would never abuse favor. I I would never, hold on. Don't abuse the favor and the power you are about to receive. You are about to receive favor and influence and power that in the slightest moment could ruin a life, could slaughter a heart. Abraham Lincoln said, if you want to know what a man is, give him power. If you want to know what a woman is, give her power. Oh, when you're slavishly devoid, when you have nothing, you got to be nice to everybody and you because you're needy and you need something. But when you give those folk power, that's when you see what they are. Even at McDonald's, make someone a manager and the little Hitler within comes out. I'm the manager of this place. What? What happened to her? Oh, they gave her some power. They gave him some power. And that power reveals what you are. All your unhealed, you know. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that? I'm sorry. (coughs) What was that? Favor and power reveals whatever is left in you of the flesh that the Lord's been trying to tame your entire life. So don't, don't, don't look at me in that tone of, what do they mean? Don't abuse the power I'm about to receive. Who does he think you... Ah, there it is. Come out in Jesus' name. You filthy thing. Did you know when, the, when Israel was about ready. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, there's the whole second chapter frames what God told them before they went into the land. The first thing he said was, leave the Edomites alone. Who were they? The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, the brother of Jacob. Therefore, they were family. And God said, do not touch the Edomites. Now, they were rebellious family. They were a pain in the neck. They were constantly at war with Israel. They hated Israel. Talk about hatred. We don't know hatred. The Edomites hated the children of Israel and opposed them at every turn. But God said, do not abuse your authority and do not Take a stitch of land from the Edomites because they are your brethren. And I will not bless you if you misuse your authority with regard to these rebellious people. Were they rebellious? Yes. Were they hateful? Yes. They were racist bigots is what they were. And they tried to oppose Israel at every turn to destroy them. But did you know what, beloved? In this next season, before you step into your destiny, you have to decide how you're going to handle bigoted brethren. Because if you handle fire with fire and hate with hate, the Lord will remove his anointing from you. But they're haters and they're hating me. Yeah, but you are forbidden to fight hate with hate. Paul put it this way. You overcome evil with good. You don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water.
0: We're going to get those (laughs) Edomites.
1: They're pagan. (laughs) They hate us. Yeah, they're pagan and they hate us, but they're related. They're brethren. Don't abuse your authority by hating people in this season. But they're all hating me. That's up to them and that's up to God and that is their choice. But you are not going to be hating anyone. Don't abuse your authority. If you fire with fire, God says you are molesting and abusing the authority and power I am letting you inherit right now. And I'll remove it from you. Just like that. We are moving into a season of our lives where we have to treat everybody around us like burn victims. How do you handle a burn victim? How of going. God bless you. Hey, 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 come to church with me. Why don't he? Why
0: don't you hey, come to church
1: <laughs> How do you handle emotional, spiritual, mental burn victims? Very tenderly, graciously, respectfully. God says, "Do not abuse your power. If you fight fire with fire, if you fight hate with hate, if you fight back in kind, you are violating my heart and my kingdom work, and I cannot use you. Sorry. One toot in your root. Ever notice in God in your life lets you have a whole season where you're able to do certain sins and just everything and anything seems to go, and it seems like God just doesn't even care? You know, you know, and you're just like, oh, what? Ecclesiastes says because he doesn't strike you right away when you sin, you think he's on your side. God goes, oh no, I've never been on your side, not once. You've just been living in a season where there's been grace on you. And when there's grace on you, you don't get struck down for what you should, but there are seasons of holiness. What you were allowed to do in the outer court, you would be killed for in the Holy of Holies. Behavior unjudged and allowed in the outer court will be grounds for death in the Holy of Holies. See, the closer you get from the world into the things of God and you move from the outer court to the inner court to the holiest of all, eh, the atmosphere changes. What's allowable changes. If the, the high priest once a year was allowed in the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant for a short period of time, and if he made one mistake, he was struck dead. And he had a rope around his leg that went outside the curtain. Why? And he had little pomegranates bracing bells in between each of them on the base of his garment. Why? Because you better hear those bells ringing. Because that means he's still alive in there. Oh, how's the pastor? Ding, 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 ding. Okay, he's all right. But if those bells quit ringing, he's dead, and you've got to pull him out because he'll stay permanently fresh in that white glory cloud of Shechina. So you've got to pull him out. And if you go in to get him, you drop dead. There's going to be a whole pile of priests. Well, there's another sermon I could do right there. My flesh wants to see sometimes a pile of priests. Anyway, back to my sanctification. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What's allowed in the outer court, you'll be killed for in the Holy of Holies. So the Lord is telling them, he said, do not abuse your power. When you run into the Edomites, yeah, they're nasty. But did you know God said, uh, I'll take care of how nasty they are. You just take care of how nasty you are. And you're not allowed to hate anyone to stay for. Because you're a window to eternity. You're a window to God. You are a child of the king. You are here on the king's business. And the king does not ever deal in hatred. He deals in allowing himself to be tortured to death on your behalf. Because he loves you so much. He's in love with you so much. That he allowed his own life to be crushed out. And that was a degradation ceremony. There's no loincloth. He was pissing and pooping and was impaled and was horribly embarrassed. It was the degradation ceremony that would take a human being and reduce them to nothing. And he stooped that low so that you would be empowered to love your brother and your sister. He bore all the hate of the world poured upon him as a result that you would be a window to eternity open that the love of God only flows through you. The grace of God only is extended through your hand. The mercy of God only is heard on your lips. Anything less is an abuse of power, which he will deal with immediately in this new season. Do you remember Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? Brother Ananias and Sapphira, right? Right? Acts chapter 2, by the way, this is Pentecost today. This day falls on the 50th day that would be the day of Pentecost, the day the Spirit of God came into his earthly ministry. And oh, wouldn't that be lovely if you did something wonderful today and begin something you've always promised me my whole life that you would confirm the words with signs following. I'm just suggesting. I'm not praying. I'm just throwing that out. Or not. I'll serve you anyway. This was the day the Spirit of God was poured out. And the Scripture says that when they prayed Acts chapter 2, the building shook. But if you want the building to shake when you pray, you've got to be willing to die when you lie. Three chapters later, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody was, the the hip trend at that moment was to sell everything and reduce it to cash and bring the cash into the apostles. God didn't tell anyone to do that. He just said, if you want to do that, hey, it's fine, or not, fine. But they sold everything they had and kept most of it back, and they gave a portion to the Lord and lied and said, that's all we have. And you go, Craig, well, that's such a that's such an infraction. Isn't it just like the God of the Bible to kill people <laughs> over withholding $10? Excuse me, excuse me. If you want this to be a holy ground and you want God to shake when the building when you pray, if you want to see limbs grow on and eyes be restored, then you've got to be willing to die when you lie. One little lie was enough to pollute the sanctity. And the holiness that they were having there on the day of Pentecost forward. 3,000 saved on the first day. Ooh, God's moving. God's moving. Yeah. But along with the thickness of the glory increasing comes a swifter and quicker judgment when that is violated. You know what holiness and sanctity is. That's why it's such a wound when a man or woman of God would be the instrument of wounding someone in the house of God, because the house of God is a holy place for holy things and the holy word and the Holy Spirit. And when that place is defiled by the ultimate violation one could imagine, the violation of a child, do you see how that shouts up to the very heavens and that that will quench Every wheel of redemptive grace that 's rolling in that place it 'll just put the brakes on puts the brakes on. You know what? Have you ever tried to drive with the brake on? I know you, you haven 't done that, but I had a little red car Vicky Kemper had given me to give to Brooke, and I was driving around with this thing it 's smoking i 'm frustrated. I took it into the shop, I took it in i 'm complaining i 'm and I looked down, and the brake was on. <laughs> I had been driving this thing against its will. Mm, with the brake on. And I was acting, I was reacting like the universe itself was against me, and I'd been sinned against and <laughs> oh uh, uppity and have ever been that way. And you look down and realize, oh, you did it. Oh oh, the brakes on. Oh, who put it on? <laughs> I did. Wasn't the devil? It was Craig, as usual. Satan doesn't even have your phone number. Don't don't flatter yourself. You're attacked by a mushu devil about that big that's 50th down in line from the principality of L.A. (laughs) And you fall every time. (laughs) Gold, gals, and glory. Gold, guys, and glory. There's only three, and we fall every time. Maybe to a different one. Maybe you've graduated like I have. You don't fall to the first two. You just fall to pride now, which is worse than the first two. Anyway, that's another thing altogether. The holier the place, the swifter the judgment. That's why we're on the cusp of some very interesting times. I want to buy a bag of popcorn, sit on the front row, and just watch what's going to happen in the church world and the world. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna, It's getting good. <laughs> so God says, before you go into your blessings, don't abuse your power. Leave the Edomites alone. Secondly, he said, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Who were they? These were the two nations. Were they serving God? No. But they were descendants of Lot, Abraham's nephew. And sometimes God blesses people because of their relationships to other people. He says, do not touch the Moabites and Ammonites and their land, if you touch their land, you're abusing your favor and your power that I've given you. And power and favor is not to be abused. Remember, we love people and use things. We never use people and love things. That's worth the offering right there. That's called idolatry in the Bible. When you love something that is isn't ultimate, Your love is to be reserved for God, who is the ultimate. You never use him and love things. And you're never to use his people and love things. I told my daughter, I said, now, you're in a boat. Your father falls over and your iPhone falls over. Which one do you save? You could see the gleam in her eye. The iPhone. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> the Ammonites and Moabites deserved chastening. Yes, they do. But not from you. It's not your job. No one died and left you, Holy Ghost. Well, someone needs to tell them what, no, no, no. someone needs to look in the mirror at themselves and tell the person in the mirror, whatever you were going to tell everybody else. You're not released to hate anyone. No, it's not your place. You're only to love, extend mercy and kindness. And in that way, you never will abuse authority because it's hard to abuse people that you love. You know, when we find our target audience, God makes us be in love with that target audience, and it's really hard to wound and hurt and harm and crush and destroy what you love. You know how parents protect their kids. Oh, I overprotected my kids. The devil's not responsible. I am. Jonathan Haidt wrote a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Wonderful read, by the way. All the children born after 1994 were coddled. You did everything for them. They should have done for themselves. And they're now the university kids that can't hear an idea. <coughs> Needed safe spaces. <coughs> Trigger warnings. <coughs> I need to carry an animal everywhere I go. We did that to them. And that is not a proper attitude conducive for education. Because education is supposed to be, shut up, you know nothing. Let us mentor you and teach you something. But you can't learn anything when you know everything, you see. So, so this whole generation has been fed stuff that makes them immune to wisdom. The impossibility of learning anything redemptive for their lives to advance and become fruitful. And Jonathan Haidt is an atheist, by the way, so don't. It's not a Christian book. Go read Coddling of the American Mind. You can go on YouTube and look up his lecture, The Coddling of the American Mind. It will open your eyes a little bit, and it will give you a aha uh-huh moment about what's going on in our world right now. There's no mystery to the history. Isaiah chapter five said, "Watch out when people call evil good and good evil and sweet sour and sour sweet." Why? Because you're gone, baby, at that point. When you don't know, come here from Sikkim. When you don't know a straight line from a crooked line. When you don't know right from wrong, you're done. There's nothing to talk about. Let's have lunch. You're you're ruined. You're defiled. The Lord Jesus... had leaders that said, yeah, we see the signs and wonders in your life, but the devil's doing them. When you attribute the work of God to the devil, you're done, we're done. Don't don't try to have a reasoned argument with a human being that is vacant of reason. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet and go find somebody that's thirsty and hungry. Remember, Jesus said, if you go out two by two and you go to a house and they will not receive what you are saying, Stop right there. Don't wait two weeks and try to argue them into something. Why, give me a little more time. I'll get them. (laughs) Jesus said, one time they reveal their heart is not open to receive. Shake the dust off your feet. Do a visual for everyone to see and for you to see that you're not going. If you have eight ounces of water, don't water the brown spot. Quit watering dead things. Water the roses. And, and Jesus told his disciples, first principle, don't ever do that. Now, now leave. So that means there is a house with people who are still clothed and in their right mind and are morally available to learn and be taught. And that's where you pour your water, where the roses are. Amen? Simple principle, isn't it? Jesus said, never argue with someone whose attitude is, don't confuse me with the facts I've already made up my mind. Now let's talk for four hours. No, I'm so sorry. I've got to do this dance, the shaking the dust dance. And I'm leaving, and I'm never coming back to your house. We'll come back later, and we'll have like a debate. No, no. See, it's not time to waste our time. Time is precious, Paul, but it. it's precious. Only water the roses. Well, but those people have been in my family for years, and I'm really trying to pull them out like a too. Yeah, you are, honey. God's not even working on them. And you're trying to pull the unripe fruit. Leave them alone. Go where the fruit is ripe. All you got to do is just look at the tree. It'll fall in your basket. (laughs) These are just simple principles. But what did he tell? Don't abuse your authority and favor moving forward. Now, and that implies, listen, beloved. We need to keep clear and short accounts moving forward. We have to be willing to immediately reconcile and repair any damage from any abuses of power in our past. Beloved, is it possible that not meaning to, you've abused power? You ever hurt anybody? Unintentionally. Did you ever verbally or emotionally or spiritually abuse someone? I know, I never meant to. I didn't ask what you meant to. Motives are lovely, but they're not everything. I know a man that backed over the, his wheel of the car over his two-year-old daughter's leg. Okay, he never meant to, and he would never hurt his baby. But you know what? You did it. So what are you going to do? Well, I would never willingly hurt. Good. There's, we're back to your meaner again. I don't care what you meant. Are you going to fix the damage? But I would never, in a million years, God knows my heart. Get out of the bloody car. Her leg is under the wheel. Have you ever? Is there anyone that comes to mind that you may have to go and apologize to, make amends to? Oh, I've quit to preaching and gone to meddle. Listen, before we step into this next phase, And God's saying, don't abuse your favor and don't abuse your authority. My question would be this. Listen to the Lord Jesus. He says in Matthew 5, 23 23 and 24, therefore, if any of you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift. Oh, oh, Jesus, please don't say that. If you're just about to do a spiritual offering and you're doing, you're at church or you're going to do worship or you're wherever, and you realize and remember, because it's only the Holy Spirit that whispers and says, do you remember nine years ago when you... I hate when he pricks my heart like a needle. You know... He never shames and conda- he never shames, but he always convicts shaming and yelling is hitting, leaving and demeaning. God never does that you you ugly, stupid, dirty dog, look what you did that's not the holy spirit he he's worse than that. He pricks your heart in a way that's just a pinprick, <coughs> and you remember something you forgot. You've grown now enough to where you can look back and see the enormity of a misuse of power and authority. Has that ever happened to you? And you just go, oh, no, God, please don't be telling me I've got to go back. Now, you know their side too, Lord. They were sinners too. And 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 you start, you know, being your lawyer before the Lord. Your majesty, good morning, and you look extraordinarily attractive, Father. You don't need to be a lawyer. Try to get out of your thing. The Holy Spirit knows how to corner us and pinprick our hearts and say, before you go forward in not abusing your authority and favor and power anymore, is there anyone we need to backtrack with? Clean up. Are we willing the next little while to have our hearts open for the Lord to shine his little pinprick laser light on our hearts? Not, now, this isn't to get in the flesh and start freaking out and thinking, oh, I've got to go to everybody that I ever had an issue with. AA is smart enough to know that you don't go and make amends if you're going to do more damage. I knew some sap that got sober, and he went to everybody, you know. He went to one guy and said, hey, Harvey, how you doing? Just wanted to tell you I slept with your wife just before you married her, and I'm making amends. You don't, That is not making amends. That's making your deathbed. God is not calling you on a crusade that's going to violate and hurt and harm anymore. Sometimes we've made so much of a mistake that our burnt stones have to be built into somebody else's wall. Because no, d- So I'm not sending you on that guilt-shame trip. I am saying, though, be sensitive before we move forward if there's any repentance, if there's any need to make right. Maybe to untie a knot we tied. Just be open. And if it is the Lord, he's not going to overwhelm you with it. He will give you a clear path. And here's the point. What are the men's for? It's not to make them like you. They may decide to hate you more after you do it. The point is we need to untie the knots God tells us to untie and leave them with all the knots they've tied. I don't care how they react to you. The question is, do I have to go back and deal with anyone? abused with favor and power behind when I had nothing the power and favor you might have had was manager at McDonald's but you went and raped a soul you fractured a relationship and you just think that if it's buried deep enough and long enough and enough time goes by and that's why I say when you bury something make sure it's dead because if you buried it alive you're going to encounter it later it's still going mm. you hear any scratching right now <laughs> It could be, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, it could be an issue you need to resolve before you move any further giving your gift at the altar. I was going to put gold in the temple today. Good for you. Jesus said, I'd rather have you go heal and redeem the past. Okay, so don't take that with guilt and shame because I don't want you going knocking on people's doors that the Lord is just going to have you shot in the forehead. I had a pastor one time that told me a story and he said that he had before he was a christian had embezzled funds from the guy he'd been working with for like 10 years and he he got saved radically saved and the lord told him go back and tell the boss what you did he said now i'm not telling you the holy spirit is telling you that because it might get you and your children murdered so just because it's descriptive of what i was to do doesn't mean it's prescriptive for you But in his case, he went back to the boss and he said, I've been embezzling funds from you and I have to get this off my chest and I have to tell you the truth. I'm now a servant of Jesus and I have to walk in the light and I just can't deal with this anymore. And the boss broke into tears and said, I don't care what you took. Any God that can change a man's heart And have him walk into my office and confess this is a God I want to worship to. But again, you and your children may be shot, so don't do that just because that's descriptively what he did. It may not be prescriptively what you're to do, but maybe there is a little pinprick of light that will just zero in on one instance or one individual. And you know what? It's not your responsibility to make them like you. You're not doing this to get into their friendship again. You don't want to share an apartment with them. You're not moving in. You're simply doing your part, untying your knot, and you lay that before the Lord, and that's before God, and you stay out of the results. Could you have trampled some hearts? and just thought, well, they're sinners, too. It's a fallacy called tu quoque. It's French. It means you do it, too. You know, when you're trying to share wisdom with somebody, and they go, oh, yeah, well, you do it, too. Well, you're a sinner, too. Well, you're a worse sinner than me. Well, you're a worse... Why don't, if your heart's right, you'll listen to truth, whatever the source is. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's humiliating. I remember a preacher once told me, he said, Craig, you know, for a preacher... It's good to be publicly humiliated about every decade. It keeps you right. just right to keep your soul clean. Do you know how many people I've devastated and hurt whose lives I've torched? And I didn't mean to. And yeah, some of them were idiots themselves. But that's not my business if Jesus tells me, Craig, I think you need to go back. And we'll clean some things up before we go into the next season where we truly have authority and favor and power that could utterly annihilate somebody with a wink, with a touch, with a motion, you know? Boy, James put it this way. Teachers will answer to a greater judgment because they have a greater authority in what they do. Did you know the higher you are up in the leadership capacity, the more damage you can do to a life and God says, just be aware of that. I want to be a promoted, really, in your condition right now, with all the dumpster fires behind you. That's an altar. No, Craig, that's not. A, no, no, that's a dumpster fire, honey. It's an altar out of the. It's a dumpster fire. And you wonder why God hasn't moved you forward. And I just can't believe it. I don't have a mate. I killed all the other ones, but, but I, I yeah. Maybe we need to do a little cleanup work before we move forward. And you know what? It can be done quickly, immediately, graciously. Just do your part. You don't have to make anything happen other than your little part of the knot is untied. And then you move forward. All right. Okay. Don't move in with them. You're not going to hang out. You're just having closure for you. Do you know when you let go to your end of the tug of war rope, the war is over for you? They can take it as an Indiana Jones whip and (laughs) whip you some more. That's their business. But the war is over for you. Isn't that beautiful? You're clean. Your slate is clean. You can turn away from that, move ahead with God, and God goes, yay you, honey, yay you. Thank you. Maybe we need to chiropractically adjust some of our past the next little while. It's okay. That's all you need to do. Do your part. You may send them a letter, and they may say, I hate you more, and I'm praying demons kill your kids. It's okay. That's that's up to them. If they want to whip you with their end of the rope, may the Lord bless them in Jesus' name. But don't hate them, because you're not to misuse your authority and your favor and your power moving forward. You know what? There are certain things as a leader you don't have the right to do. You do not have the freedom to hate other people right now. I don't care how they're hating you. You're a conduit of light, of love, of hope, of grace, of mercy, in everything you do, including your tone and body language. You annihilate people more with your tone and body language than you do anything you ever say. Yeah. I love you. <sniffs> hmm. I think you just canceled the message out. Praying for you. Oh, God. We could kill in a million different ways. You know only 7% of the actual content you give is received? All the rest is tone and body language in a communication encounter. All the rest is tone and body language. Like one pastor said, put the mute button on these preachers on TV and try to figure out what they're saying. You ever seen them? They look like they're spastic. You know, do it. When you're home, put the mute button on and see if the message being communicated is one of grace and love and kindness and mercy. Or are they angry? Well, Lincoln liked that. Lincoln said, when I see a preacher, I want to see a man swatting bees. That's what he said. (laughs) Lincoln said, I want that. I want to know I'm being preached to. All right, well, not not that you have to adjust your tone or body language. Now, point two, lest uh, I kill you all, with the spirit of brevity in my mind, the second point that we need to know before we step into the land. Want to hear the second thing? Ask the Lord's mind and permission. We are entering a season where it's easier to ask permission than forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and that's the way it is, and God's just going to redeem it. You know, that was, that's so 80s. <laughs> yes, he can redeem almost anything, but you know what? We don't have time right now to get hooked up in all kinds of intricacies and marry Gibeonites. It is not the time to marry the Gibeonites. Who are the Gibeonites? I'm so glad you asked. Turn to Joshua chapter 9. <laughs> you know, a, dentist, a dentist's mistake is pulled out. A lawyer's mistake is imprisoned. A teacher's mistake is failed. A painter's mistake is corrected. A pharmacist's mistake is buried. A postman's mistake is forwarded. An electrician's mistake is often shocking. But the mistake of a child of God is married to them and is declared to the world and is an embarrassment to the gospel. Have you ever noticed that? I had a, pa- I had a doctor tell me, Craig, all my mistakes are buried." <laughs> he said, "Any mistakes you make are hung around your neck like an albatross the rest of your life. Isn't that true? But you know what? That's how it works. That's how it works. I'm so sorry, it's not fair. Nothing's fair. If you want fair, wait till you get to heaven, because you're never going to find it here. So when the child of God is on the brink of making a mistake, it's just better to ask permission then forgiveness. Well, Will God forgive me? Yeah, God forgave David. I remember in the 80s we were always saying but David remained king. But David remained king. Yeah, and he watched all of his children die in front of him and the sword never departed from his house and he was perfect in his dealings from zero to 50 and at 50 years of age, David went south and suffered the rest of his life. But he remained king. Yeah, he remained king. Big deal. A king, miserable, on the throne. A king whom God said, your sin caused the pagan nations to dance with glee and blaspheme my name. David, who spent his whole life trying to honor God's name, and he became the means, through his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah to embarrassing the good news and the gospel and the truth in his age. And fed The Philistines, laughter in their pubs where they all more made the decision, I knew Jehovah wasn't God. Now I know he's not God. What a fool. Do you know how that broke David's heart? And he could never get free of it. Could never shake that off. And each of his kids began to die in front of him. So David didn't get away with anything. Aren't you glad you live in the new covenant right now? Aren't you glad for Jesus Christ, the living God tortured to death for you? Aren't you glad? But even as Christians, that doesn't give us a loosey-goosey view of sin. Sin is the rape of his justice, the sneer of his mercy. It's still black and dark and separates men from God. But the blood of the God-man is what was
2: required.
1: To shut that up. I want to tell you a story about Joshua. You want, let's look at one of Joshua's mistakes. I'm relishing looking at a mistake of a man of God like that. Joshua was a mess up? Yep. How did he mess up? Oh, big time. Big time. Joshua chapter 9. Let me read you a little bit from the text. You just listen. They're postured to go into the land. God has told them, do not make an oath or a covenant with any of the nations of Canaan. You wipe them out. If they're not going to leave their land and they're going to fight you, which, by the way, most of them left willingly and most of them didn't stand and fight. But if they did stand and fight and wouldn't leave, he said, wipe them out, move them out. This This is your land. And and don't make a covenant with them. What does that mean? I call it being in league with a Gibeonite, marrying a Gibeonite. You'll find out what a Gibeonite is in a minute. You know, it's hard for God to kill what you're in league with. <laughs> if you marry a certain sin. Let's say God says, I'm going to cut all those groves of trees down over there, uh, all hundred trees I'm going to cut down. They're under the ban. I'm going to remove them. And then you go and chain you and your family to one of those trees and decide you're going to live in a Gulliver's uh, travel uh, tree house right on a tree that is under the ban. It's written everywhere. Tuesday at five in the morning, these are all going to be destroyed and you decide to move your family in the day before. Now, what's going to happen? If you identify yourself with a banned thing that is going to be destroyed, that can't work out well for you. That simple analogy? Okay. So... The children of Israel are going, and they're getting ready to go in, and they're to wipe out these nations, and then guess what happens? The Hivites, who are a people from a place called Gibeon, by the way. That's a very interesting city, Gibeon. Later, it's going to be given to Benjamin. Later, the the tabernacle with the ark is going to rest there. Later, that's where God's going to speak to Solomon when he says, what would you like? I'll give you anything in the heaven above, the earth beneath. And he asked for wisdom. That was at Gibeon. But currently, the people in, in Gibeon are Canaanites under the ban. This is a people that are marked for destruction. They're in Joshua's book to get rid of. First thing, wipe them out. Now, this speaks to us of issues in our life. Is there ever an issue in your life? God said, wipe it out. We're not talking about killing the neighbors. We're talking about whatever it is in our life that represents that sin we're in league with. We've married it. We've gotten so close to it, and it's something that God's death penalty is on, but we've just been declared man and wife. (laughs) Oh, it gets complex sometimes. Aren't you glad God understands all the complex knots we've tied in our life, and he can untie them, no matter how complex they get? But here's my point. The next thing we need to learn after don't abuse your authority in your favor secondly is it's time to ask for permission rather than forgiveness. God is trying to simplify your life right now. He's not trying to get you to tie more infinitely complex knots up in your life. He's trying to straighten all... He's like a magician. He's got the rope of your life. You have 55 infinitesimal knots that have been pulled into infinity and... (laughs) The physics people can't even see how tiny the knot has become (laughs) because you've so screwed it up. Only Jesus can magically remove those knots. But you know what? Once he unties all the knots in your life, it's wise not to retie all those knots just before you go into the promised land. Is this a simple point for you? The Gibeonites represent the children of Israel. Now, Now, notice there's two kinds of warfare, overt and covert. What have we seen with Caleb and Joshua prior to now? Overt warfare. They killed Og, the giant. They killed Sihon, the giant. Frontal attack. Fist fight. No problem. Did you know the Bible says Satan comes often as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? 1 Peter 5.8. That's overt warfare. But the Bible also says he comes slithering as a serpent. That's covert warfare. Warfare, calm, palatable, seduction, trust in me, (laughs) trust in me. Mm -hmm. We're all braced for overt warfare, right? Og the giant. (gasps) Kill them all, let God sort them out. Okay. They have been hitting overt conflict. But 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 but, but God says, before you step into the new season, with the houses you didn't build and the fruits you didn't plant, just be aware, I want you to get into the habit of asking me before you do something. Shall I go up, Lord? Shall I get on that airplane and go to that ministry opportunity? Shall I do that gig? Shall It's just a little uncommon principle of ask permission of the God of the universe who knows everything about the intricacies of your life. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as delegation, uh, whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet. They wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supplies was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, "Uh, We have come from a distant country. Make a covenant with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a covenant with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. And Joshua said, who are you? Where have you come from? Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, Og, king of Bashan, who was who who resigned in Ashtaroth, who, resided in, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And our elders and those living in our country said, take provisions for your journey and go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you, but now see, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins that were filled were new, but see how cracked they are? And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The Israelites, look at verse 14. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. The Gibeonites were liars. They were only from 25 miles away, right over the ridge. But they had heard that everyone nearby would be wiped out. They were under the ban, the harem. They were to be destroyed. So they thought, let's dress up like we've come from 600 miles away and rotten food and old clothes and nasty shoes. And, and let's go in and say, we've been on a long journey. And they deceived Joshua. They were lying. And I want you to notice, Joshua felt a little something. Verse 7, it said, But perhaps you live near us, we'd have to wipe you out, you know. He knew something felt wrong. Has anything ever felt wrong down in your nowhere? You just knew. There's something wrong with this woman. There's something wrong with her. She'd been through 15 roommates in the last two months. She'd been through six churches, through all their kidneys. Filter through everything. And everyone's a devil and everyone's to blame but her. And she's going to hijack your couch, too. And something said, "Mm, I don't know. Listen to that. In fact, maybe mm, ask God about it. No. Ask God. Quit being super spiritual. I can see what I see. Their bread is moldy. Ew, it's disgusting. Look at their old clothes. They looked with not faith but sight, and they gave a scientific evaluation that was totally logical and reasonable, but it was wrong. And aren't you glad Joshua screwed up this bad? (laughs) Beloved, moving forward, it's not the overt warfare you need to watch for right now. It's the covert. It's not the lion. It's the serpent. It's not the big catastrophe. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. (coughs) Just a little fox, one grape at a time. We don't notice that. It's just a grape. Yeah, but they'll take your whole grape harvest one grape at a time. (laughs) It's the overt warfare we need to be sensitive to right now. Gibeonites represent something that you make a complex decision to marry a complexity that you enmesh yourself with, make yourself in league with, that God is just pulling his arrow back to kill. Oh, no, she married the Gibeonite I'm about to kill. But see, you didn't ask permission. You thought, well, God will redeem it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. God, okay. Did God redeem the Gibeonite situation? Well, they were turned into the people who hewed the wood and brought the water for the tabernacle. God had to bring them close enough to Israel where they could keep an eye on them for the rest of eternity. I can redeem almost anything, but beloved, you don't have twenty more years to burn like magician's flash paper. Well, God, in another four hundred years, He may bring a message out of the mess. He, yeah, He may, but you don't have time anymore. You don't have that much time left. (laughs) I don't. I don't have decades to burn through to eventually get to where I'm going to get. I got to make right now count forever. And so do you. And you know what? It's time to ask the Lord's permission rather than his forgiveness moving forward. Did the man of God ask permission? No. What happened? Well, they weren't conquered by external warfare, overt warfare. They were conquered by covert warfare, and they invited it right in. Their threat wasn't the Canaanite nations ready to huff and puff and wipe them out. It's what they invited into their tent and married, ran up to Vegas and married. Let's get married now before reason can prevail. And you know what? When they made an oath to protect them, this is serious stuff. This is not America. They they oathed in the name of God, and three days later they found out they'd been lied to. Have you found out... (laughs) that you put yourself in league with a person, place, or thing that was under God's ban of destruction. (laughs) Well, I thought, yeah, you thought. And it looked good, yeah, it looked good, but you need to ask God because your eyes are not trustworthy enough. I'm glad Joshua had the same struggles I have. He looks at things logically, and he looks at the facts, but guess what, they were all wrong. So it's better to ask the king who sees everything in one big fat now and knows past, present, future in one essential moment to tell Craig, no, don't make an oath with the Gibeonites, Craig. No, don't marry a Gibeonite, Craig. No, Well, I just didn't ask. Yeah, you just didn't ask. Now, all right. All right, past is the past. Let it go. Okay, you can't, you can't relive your whole life, okay? I don't want you under shame and guilt. But moving forward, these decisions can be fatal. Because the power and the favor we are about to have, gives us so much influence that it won't take but a hair's breadth to harm a life, ruin a life, or make an allegiance with a Gibeonite that's going to bring new complexity into our lives. let me marry more knots. Can I make 60,000 more knots in my string? Yeah, God can redeem anything. Well, you you know, but you don't have enough time, thank God for heaven. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, judgment on an average with all the people that have ever lived, if 10 minutes apiece, would take 275,000 years for the great judgment to happen properly. Wow, a quarter of a million years to untie all the knots, that, and, and we're going to judge angels, and we're going to be involved in that? This is not just some zzz, done uh, in micros- <laughs> This is a process. You know what? I don't have time, personally, for any more complexity added to my life right now. God's trying to simplify my life. I'm 63, I'm finally at a place where God's redeemed almost every mistake I've ever made and I'm almost seeing a simplicity I've never known and a peace I've never had and and now is not the time for Craig to put himself in league with a Gibeonite woman (laughs) why she's hot (laughs) no I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about every area of our lives. Don't tie any more knots in your strings, sweetie. Please. Please, man. <laughs> Come on. We're having some fun, too. But boy, is this heavy. This is heavy stuff. Because he's about to let us inherit our destiny. And that's got great responsibility. You know, You know, the reward of responsibility is greater responsibility. And the reward of power is more power. But when power reveals who you are and what you are and what's unhealed and what is still fractured, then he's, he can't give you that power because it's going to reveal that you're, he's not finished with you yet. You don't need to be perfect to be used, but your heart has to be right. And you've got to have gone back and taken care of any loose ends that need uh, tying up in the next little while, get it taken care of, and guess what? Then we can move forward with simplicity. Oh, the elegance of simplicity. Oh. Do you know great men and women are simple? Com- complicated men and women, broken men and women are complicated. Truly great men and women are not complicated. It's so deep and I'm crazy and I've got 65 broken areas. No, no, that's not a great man or a woman. We're all sinners, but there is something... You know, I heard somebody once say that a muddy puddle has to shake itself and obscure itself to look deep. Because deep water doesn't have to say anything. You can see all the way down to the bottom. A good man or woman, you can see all the way down to the bottom. They don't need to flood around and look important. You're dealing with a trite person who is afflicted with smallness. Jack Hayford used to say, "May the Lord Jesus deliver all of us from the yoke of smallness." What did Pastor Jack mean? Smallness. Small people, small-minded, small ideas, small nitpicking, always small, small conversation, small dialogue, always. You know what? I can't live. Around, I can't be around that five minutes now. You used to be able to, rent the, to have two roommates like that and live with them for 12 years. Not now. <laughs> I'm old and I'm blind and I do not have time. <laughs> to tie any more excessive knots up in my emotional life, my spiritual life, my relational life, God's trying to untie them. We don't, we don't want to tie them up moving forward and all the people heard what I said and said amen to shut the message up a little bit quicker everyone said a second time amen so we're not (laughs) we are not to trust our own instincts right now they brought the enemy into their camp they married the enemy they took them into their heart they accepted the gibeonites into their heart as their personal lord and savior no you do that with jesus you don't do that with any other complexity that's going to bind your life up so do you see the Lord right now? Has he been untying knots in your life? Let him continue. He's almost done. There's only one more major knot. Just one more. Just one more. The devil says, you have a thousand more knots. It's going to take 7,000 years of counseling when you get to heaven. You'll never be finished. Not a lie. Shut up, devil, and come out. You've killed and thrown more giants behind you than there are before you. That's the truth. The devil's saying, no, you still have a thousand more before you. No, you don't. Your knots are almost completely undone. Simplicity is here. Relief is imminent. So from now on, I'm going to go back and make anything right I need to because God's given me favor and power. It's going to help me be able to really hurt people, and I'm not going to abuse my power, and I'm going to ask permission rather than forgiveness. On everything. On everything. Should I go to Vaughn's or Ralph's? I want to make you a little bit hyper spiritual. Why not? You know, for a while I was every 30 days I was flying out to to uh, participate in a, in a certain ministry that was coast to coast. And, and I'd leave on a Thursday and, and a Friday, and I'd come back on a Saturday. And I was doing this for about a year. And it was just really it fit. I felt comfortable with it. I was led to do it. And one flight that was uh, going to be a meeting in Sacramento, the Lord said, don't get on that plane. Hmm. Funny, I heard Pastor Joel today teach about how we need to listen to the whisper instead of all the noise. And I thought, that's what I'm preaching on today. Joshua felt uncomfortable. Who are these people? Why are they coming here? If they were ambassadors, they would look nice. They would dress nice. They would have applied better food. They would have had food for the return journey. There was every evidence that they were being snookered. They were being tricked. It was a ruse. But he didn't go with his gut and ask the Lord. And I thought, wow. How many times did we know in our knower something there was something suspicious? But we went ahead with our opinion, our logic, and our thought on the matter. Oh, bless you, honey. Please don't do that ever again. Stop everything and ask the Lord. Should I make this investment, Lord? I made an investment Friday like this. It's Monday, though. It's Monday, though. Don't assume anything. When you assume, you make... An ass of you and me. Remember how you parse? A-S-S-U-M-E. So don't assume anything moving forward. What worked on Monday may kill you on Tuesday. A behavior he forgave you for before might murder everyone around you. One of Michael's nurses, a dear friend of mine, once told me that she uh, was going to go to a friend's house and a party at her friend's house, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go. C.S. Lewis said, first God says no, then he says no, then he says no, then he says no. If you won't hear, it just, he tunes it down. And she was going to go to the party. She's putting her makeup on. The Holy Spirit said, don't go to that party. And she, of course, did what we all do. She pushed right past that. Because my kingdom come, my will be done in all things. Yeah, whatever. Any God so rude as to intrude on my playtime is not worthy to be worshipped. Doing her makeup, don't go. She gets in the car. She's starting in the car. The Holy Spirit says, don't go. Starts the car, drives to the house. She's driving down the street to the apartment. Holy Spirit says, don't go. She feels that right in. It's hard to breathe. She walks up the steps to the apartment. Holy Spirit says, don't go in. <laughs> and she's knocking at the door. <laughs> they open the door. Hey, stop. Come on in. Goes, don't step over that threshold. <laughs> she was there five minutes, and the police broke in. And it was a drug raid. And everybody there got arrested and incriminated. And the Lord, she wouldn't hear the whisper. Ever not heard the whisper and gone ahead and run a few red lights? Shh, I won't tell anyone. But nowadays, you may run a red light and everybody dies. You never know which red light. I ran, I know a lady ran 45 red lights and she'd never been killed. Ca- never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Eventually, So we just want to ask permission. He can redeem, but not now. Please, I, I don't. I personally have no personal interest in making decisions for Craig right now that would further bind his life into another two-decade escapade that requires his redemptive grace. The 80s are gone. Can you hear? Oh, beloved, I want to encourage you. This isn't just some negative. I don't want you to hear the negativity, but I want you to hear the gravity, and I want you to hear the seriousness, because what's before us is our issues of life and death, salvation, and the lives of men, women, boys, and girls being saved and being redeemed and being discipled in Jesus, and we don't have time to be bulls in a china shop that we've been in the past. Churchill spoke of a friend of his in Parliament. There was, he said, that man is the only personal bull that carries around his own private china shop. <laughs> Not now. That won't work moving forward because we're right on the brink. Isn't that lovely? Oh, I want to bless you today. You know what I want for my birthday? Everything God has for me. And if it doesn't come with Jesus Christ, I don't want it. No. I don't want somebody else's wife. I don't want somebody else's anointing. I don't want somebody else's children. I don't want somebody else's gift. I don't want somebody else's anointing. I just want what's mine. And if it comes with his blessing, thank you, Jesus. If it's a bracelet, if it's whatever it is, little or big, I want what's mine. I want my own you know I found he'll give me that when I ask him for that if I ask anything according to his will for me he says yes yes that's what I want and that's what I want for you we will not abuse our favor and authority moving forward we will ask permission rather than forgiveness and we will not marry any Gibeonite situations and further bring complexity to our lives Amen. All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, thank you that you hear our cry, God. Lord, we're willing, if there's any cleanup work we have to do, please, Holy Spirit, prick our hearts, Lord. And we we don't trust the noise of the enemy's voice and and our own ideas even, but we do trust that you would make a clear laser ah, pinpoint of anything or anyone we need to clean things up with god if ever we've abused our authority and whatever context lord show us so we can write a little letter and maybe find a dear friend and say help me write this help me structure this help me say it just right and do the first or second draft and then send the third draft and then stay out of the results just untie your knot don't you're not it doesn't matter what they do with it thank you lord I pray a grace for my precious lambs to to hear that. And if they need to do that, empower them, Lord, and make it a joyous, easy, wondrous thing to do, a simple thing to do, but a simple act of obedience that will bring a floodgate of intimacy and rest to their heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you're taking your iron and you're ironing out the complexity in your bride's dress right now. You're, 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 You're simplifying everything with a touch, Lord. We give you thanks. And, Lord, we thank you that we're going to ask permission rather than forgiveness. We, we know you're a redeemer, but we don't want to give you 3,500 more things you need to redeem in us before we can go out of the house and be an example of your kingdom. <laughs> let your blood, Lord, go back and wipe out everything. And let the leading of your Holy Spirit bring us to any situation we may need to fix with our own apology and our own amends. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, thank you that we are on the cusp, that this is not just fairy dust. This is the truth. Homes we didn't build, fruit we didn't plant, blessings we didn't earn, something, things we did not deserve even, but we're about to inherit them. And we just want to be in a peak condition to enjoy and savor everything you're about to let us stumble upon. Do your will in and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Can you give the Lord praise? Can you put your hands together and say, that's me, I'll take it. That's me. All the knots <laughs> removed from my rope. Oh, God. <laughs> Boy, we're on the brink here in a good way. Now, I know where I'm going next week. I thought next week's message was for today, and he just kept saying, I'm 63, and I'm still having to, like, rewrite everything at the last minute. But I was very comforted. Charles Spurgeon, the greatest preacher of any age, Spurgeon used to sit all week and write whole sermons and rip them up and throw them in the trash. Go, mm, good but not best. Spurgeon, 85 pages of notes, perfectly deep. Throw, no, 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 no. <laughs> So if I have that same Spurgeon sensitivity, amen. Well, we love you. We pray that you be encouraged today. you be lifted up, that you be edified, that you can say, I had a feast, and then just go away free and blessed in the name of Jesus. And those of you who are frequent listeners, those of you that we're feeding, we also ask you to feed us. All right, I just gave a check to the Hampton Inn right now, and we need about $1,800 to close the middle of the month out that we have to have in the next seven days. So if you are not a a consistent giver here, you can go to the PayPal, and we would gladly receive a gift or an offering or a tithe. If you don't go to a church and you say, well, I want to feed what's feeding me, why don't you give your little tithe? Here, we'll take it. We will receive it. It goes right into our PayPal, goes right into the church account, and then it goes right to the absolutely necessary bills that we have here. So we would just offer that opportunity for you to plant some seed in Jack and the Beanstalk ground. You'll never know what God can do with a proper seed at the right time planted in the proper ground. And we will gladly accept that support. Amen? Well, bless the Lord. I want to welcome um, a saint of God, one of our elders that we adore, and he's back today, David Logeman. David has the table of the Lord. David, open your heart and lead us. At home, take a moment, get your elements, maybe get a piece of bread, maybe get a little bit of water or a little bit of juice that you have. The Lord understands that uh, sometimes we have to be spontaneous. And what is represented in this table, David will explain to you. But what a better place for us to let him untie knots today with his blood. Amen. And to simplify the complexity of our lives. David, come on and greet us.
2: Welcome, all saints of God. Welcome to Bethel. May God's peace which Jesus earned for you, be with you today and always. Yeah, we're going to go to the table of the Lord now. So as you gather your elements, um, the Lord just wanted to remind me this week, just as Pastor Craig was talking about reminders, and um, Jesus actually speaks this promise in the Gospel of John, and he spoke it to them as a reminder, a prophecy, that he is the Messiah. But for us... It's being able to receive all the blessings that the table of the Lord represents that Jesus did. This is in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Let me read it to you. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, there came a point where serpents were, fiery serpents were biting them and killing them, and God instructed Moses to lift up this pole so that all that saw and gazed and and intently looked at that pole were healed and saved. Those that didn't, perished. And that's what we're going to talk about with the, the body of Jesus, because as Jesus said, just as that pole was lift, lifted up in the wilderness, he has to be lifted up because it's on the cross of Jesus that we see the ultimate breaking of his body through that piercing that he endured. And he did that for your health and wholeness. Let's continue right now to focus on the cross of Jesus. Let's break the bread Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. And let's partake. You're not healed by your goodness. You're not healed by your suffering. You're not healed by your obedience. You're healed because of Jesus' sacrifice. Keep your eyes on him. It's important to know that in these days of disease and pandemics and all the craziness in the world. Oftentimes we think we're not healed because we've made some mistake, we've made some sin, some failure that God is judging us for. But you know what? That's where the blood comes in. The blood of Jesus was shed on that cross for the forgiveness of all your sins. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross of Jesus where his blood was shed and receive that forgiveness today. Let's partake. You are the beloved of the Lord. He has redeemed you. He's provided a way for you to move forward. As Pastor Craig has said, we're on that cusp. Your destiny is still before you. Nothing you have done is going to thwart that. His will is being done in your life right now. And let's keep our eyes on the cross of Jesus as we move forward. Be blessed in Jesus' name.
0: We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.